I wanted to, or I am calling this talk tonight, All You Need Is Love. And um, it seems, and and I'm doing that because it seems that I've been hearing that in so many places this week, in in, um, memes, on social media, in you know, just all over, it's this, this, uh, the importance of grounding in love. And I mean, in fact, the other day I was, um, driving and actually the song, all you need is love came on the radio and I'm like, okay. And when I was giving this talk the other night, I looked out my window, it was dark because it's later on Thursdays and my neighbor has a, a neon heart on his lawn that he has lit. It's there every, it's there all year long. Um, and it's like, it's sweet. And I, so it's just this reminder. And then today I was in the car and Mind Games, John Lennon's song Mind Games came on. And there's a line in there that says, um, love is the answer. And I, I think it's important to remember. I, and I also realized I gave a talk just a few months ago, maybe three or four months ago on the importance of love as well. And so I just wanted to revisit that, not necessarily from the same point of view, but from what's coming up right now. It's, um, there's so much anger in the world right now and so much rage and people are spewing at each other so openly. Um, not that anger and rage hasn't always been there, but it seems like it's really in the, in the zeitgeist right now. It's very common. You see it everywhere. And I think what impacted me again this week was, um, I am a baseball fan. Some of you may know that. And I, um, I like the Yankees cause I grew up in New York and they were my team and many people hate the Yankees and they were in Los Angeles this week playing an LA team, not the Dodgers. They were playing the angels. And I was looking at a Facebook group, an Angels Facebook group, and there was this tremendous hatred and anger and just like, screw them, this blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wow, that's really a lot of um, aversion, to put it mildly, for uh, a sports ball game and people playing sports ball, but people are really invested in this, this anger and this, this demonization of other. And that's, that's a really simple, simple, silly kind of thing, but you see it everywhere. It spills out and it's just accepted. Um, and it's, it really struck me. And I remember, I recall that I, had that same thing growing up. If you grew up in New York, you have to automatically hate any sports team from Boston. It's just a thing. And without question, and then years later, I started looking at that and going, why? You know, and a lot of these things, we just take this othering as a way of life without recognizing that that's you know, that's aversion. Aversion is hatred. Anger is aversion. But, and we carry that around with us. Um, and it's extraordinary. It's extraordinary. And I'm really grateful that that doesn't sit so well anymore. Even the silliest little hating Boston. I don't hate Boston. I don't root for them, but I don't hate them. And there used to be that 
ah, and if they won, it was painful, and if my team lost, it was painful, and ah, all this suffering we create for ourselves. And this is just, as I say, just a small slice of the world we live in. It's so easy now to do it um, um, with everything. You know, you're, you have, the, you like this music, you like this color, you look this way, you love this person, you're from this world, you're from that world, you, you know, you live over here, you live over there, and we immediately other, and um, it's a way of, as Lama Rod says, anger and rage are ways of covering um, heartbreak and hurt and fear and so many things. Um, and it's true. Oftentimes when we're in this place of anger, it's because there's some kind of hurt underneath. Um, her anger at injustice in the world. Oftentimes we have to connect with our own hurt. And, and and whatever that is, even if there's not a direct line from A to B to C to D, um, to instead of just going right to that place of anger, right to that place of rage, and, and I like Lama Rod's distinction is there's anger, which is the emotion that arises, and there can be a, an awareness of anger, but rage is when you're lost in it, when there's no awareness at all. It just takes over, subsumes you. And that's true of so many emotions when you, there's the awareness of the emotion, but when it takes over, there's all that other baggage that comes with it. And so, um, you know, it becomes a fixed place that we live and it's just part of the story. It's part of the worldview that we have. Um, there's an underlying okayness to othering people that we don't like or that are different from us in some way. And this othering is a separation. It's a pushing away. And instead, the invitation is to invite it all in. Invite it all in. Invite the stuff we don't like in. Invite the discomfort in. Invite the challenging in. You know, there's so much that's written about this and about landing in love. Um, and I really think it's important because I think for me, especially it's come up so much lately that I really want to spend some time in this investigation of it. You know, and, and I think it's tied to the practice of letting go, which is, as Bhikkhu Analyo says, the sum of the Buddhist teachings can be, um, or all of the Buddhist teachings can be summarized in five letters. I say this all the time because I think it's brilliant. L-E-T-G-O. Let go. All those, those miles and miles of suttas, L-E-T-G-O. I know that's what Ajahn Chah's message is, is let go, let go, let go. And so it's like, what are we letting go of? We're letting go of our ideas of what, you should be like, or what I should be like, or what's right and what's wrong and how dare you, letting go of that idea of other, and instead recognizing that, you know, we are all part of this, we are all nature, you know, I, um, I love how people think that there are, there is people, there are people, there's humanity, and then there's nature, there's animals, and then there's trees and flora and fauna, and we're over here and nature is over there, instead of recognizing that we're all part of it. I mean, separation is that simple. 
that othering is that simple. No, we're nature. We're part of nature. So when we exclude ourselves from it, we're cutting ourselves off from ourselves. We're denying the reality of who we are. Um, I remember also a while ago reflecting on the idea of sacred and thinking that we're, there's secular over here and sacred is over there, when in fact their sacred is right here as well. There's no separation between sacred and, 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 and not. We, we are sacred as much as um, whatever over there is, whatever we inside a church or whatever we deem as sacred. Um, this, this, this tendency to separate is really um, a tendency to other. And when we instead we come from a place of love, it's a place of awareness, a place of connection. But it's um, not easy to be willing to be open to love is to be willing to be open to sorrow, you know? We have to be willing to be open to sorrow, whatever that is. And in fact, today, I saw, I follow Lama Rod on Instagram, and he said, because I told you it's everywhere, he said, love will open the door to my mourning, my grieving. Love says that this is yours to experience. If you bypass this experience, you will suffer more. So it's not just loving what we like. It's about loving, period. It's about being willing to have a heart that's not defended, to have a heart that's not armored, to open to everything. We're so good at um, turning away from what's uncomfortable. That's, that's how we armor ourselves, turning away from what we don't like, what's different, what's uncomfortable, what we don't want to look at. But um, Mushin Patricia Akeda, who is a teacher up at East Bay Meditation Center, she's wonderful. Um, and she wrote a piece about this, too, about opening to everything, inviting everything in. She said, for those of us with a spiritual path and set of practices who are willing to leave the home of comfortable assumptions. I love that phrase, comfortable assumptions. We have now the choice to say yes to the virus pandemic and economic collapse, yes to mass extinction of flora and fauna, yes to the threats of fascism, and, and speaking for myself, yes to giving up the urgent need to know and control. Acknowledging my Buddhist vows to stick around as long as I can and help decrease suffering, I need to go through the inner landscape of all my emotions, all my hopes, all my suffering, all my inconceivable fears and vows and faith and doubt. I need to do this omitting none, as it says in some of the, uh, the translations of the Metta Sutta. You know, we have to show up an imperfect wholeness for healing, for communion with, with reality, with others, in community. It's this willingness to open in love and say yes to everything because we say no to that, we say yes to that, we say maybe to this, and that's, that's a place of um, conditioned, conditioned love. 
And when I say, when, and, I, and I think what she means by saying yes to um, the pandemic and yes to extinction and fascism, the threats of fascism and, and climate change, which we're all really experiencing right now um, intensely, uh, it's to say yes to the reality and say yes to the grief and say yes to the mourning, say yes to the sadness. This is happening and it hurts. It really hurts a lot. But as Lama Rod says, when we say no to it, it increases the suffering. It intensifies it. Every time we push stuff away, it intensifies it. Every time we move into a place of delusion and denial, it intensifies it. No, this isn't happening. La, 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 la. How well does that work? It doesn't work. It, it, you know, we can... We can um, develop coping mechanisms. We can develop ways of distracting ourselves. You know, getting into this and that and the other, sex and drugs and rock and roll and all those things that keep us in, in um, distraction. And our society will provide many things to distract us if we give it half a chance. But instead, the invitation is to be fully present. That's the undefended heart to be willing to be open to whatever is. Um, it comes from a place of awareness. You know, it comes from a place of love. You know, and because with love, it's harder to destroy. And I think that's incredibly important. When we come from this place of love, it's really difficult to other. It's difficult to hate a baseball player because he's on another team. You know, which is, as I said, silly but real for so many people because there's a lot. I've seen people beat each other up. I haven't seen it in person, but people beat each other up because they root for different sports ball teams. It's like, why is that so easy to do? It's because it's, there's, it's, it's, it's choosing hate over love. So we have to be willing to choose that, and we have to be willing to let go of our ideas and you know, I talk about this experience I had a lot um, many years ago when I was in an airport. I was in Atlanta airport, in fact, I think. And I, was, I do what I tend to do when I'm in a place with a lot of people. I judge. I judge what they're wearing. I judge how big their luggage is. Really, you need that many suitcases? You know, judgy mind, judgy mind, judgy mind. And then I had to stop and go, I forgot. I love you. I love you. I love you. And that shifts something when you can let go of the judging mind, the comparing mind. I mean, even the people who I have a really hard time with, who some of you know there's a gun store right around the corner, and then there's another gun store up there, and um, people park in front of my house all the time. And on garbage day, they move my garbage container so they can park, and I lose it. I get ballistic, and I run out there, and I go and I start being really sarcastic to them in a very loud voice and um, sometimes get into it with people, which is not me. But I think because they're going to buy guns, I have a right to do that. It's a really bizarre thing as I've analyzed it. It's like, oh, if that was just a, nor a normal person, but I've labeled them, I've othered them and I've said, you get to be treated like this. I get to other you because I don't like what you're doing. Um, and 
I have to be willing to be able to let go of that and say, no, I get to love them too. Now, love doesn't mean condoning what people are doing. Not love, and this is where Buddhism gets, um, people get very confused in these teachings, is they um, think that this place, coming from this place of love, means acquiescence, means condoning. It doesn't mean that. It means acknowledging that they're human beings. That's the one sutta, the Rajan Sutta, where you know, just as we care about ourselves, we have to recognize that all beings care about themselves. And so we should care about others as much as we care about ourselves. You know, that's one of the suttas. That's a teaching of the Buddha. And so I can do that, but I can also recognize if you're causing harm and work to end that harm that's being caused. I can work to end injustice, end depression, however that, that works in my life. But I don't get to treat people like crap because I've decided they um, are not worthy in some method or some measurement I've de decide, decided in my world. Um, and I love um, Bell Hooks, who's written about this so much, and she said, the moment we choose to love, we begin to move against domination, against oppression. The moment we choose to love, we begin to move towards freedom, to act in ways that liberate ourselves and others. That action is the testimony of love as the practice of freedom. And when you actually have a grounding in love, it is incredibly powerful because you're not dependent on anything. When, when you're in this place of othering, there's so many dependent factors. This has to happen, and that has to happen, and you have to behave, and you have to behave, and this has to turn out right. Instead of if we can just say, this is the way it is, and I am open to whatever arises, I'm open to my heartbreak. I'm open to the sadness. I'm open to the grief. I'm not afraid. There's no fear here. Or I recognize there's fear, but I'm willing to tend to it with a loving heart and compassionate heart towards myself as well. Bell Hook says, again, she says, um, when we choose love, we choose to move against fear, against alienation and separation. The choice to love is a choice to connect, to find ourselves in the other. We find ourselves in the other. We see our shared humanity. And she said, to be loving is to be open to grief, to be touched by sorrow, even sorrow that is unending. We're willing to be open. And there's so much aliveness in that. When we're shut down, it's a really sterile place. It can be a really lonely, painful place. And instead, we can touch our sorrow and still experience joy. That's really important to recognize as well. That joy is available even in the midst of, of great challenges. When we're not demanding that things be the way we want them to be. When we're not holding a preference. When we can come from this place, as the Buddha said, imbued with a heart and mind of loving kindness, compassion, joy and equanimity there's that that that's the place we come from we're grounded in that we're grounded in that place of love and um 
you know, so I love that um, idea of love uh, and joy. And this is something else I've, I was thinking about this week was the idea of um, mudita and how mudita is so difficult. That's the, the, the happiness for the wholesome good fortune of others. It's so much easier to go into schadenfreude, which is, you know, really happy about the misfortune of those we don't like. It's like nerny, nerny. It's, there's something so satisfying in that when people we don't like get theirs and that we go, oh, karma, yeah. That's not how karma works. But instead, um, recognizing that that's a place of aversion. Are you willing to let go of that? Are you willing to let go of that and instead celebrate the joys of others? Again, with this baseball stuff this week, people were really, um, there's a very, very good player on the Yankees and maybe MVP, but people were just dissing him, dissing him, dissing him. And I'm like, can't you celebrate the 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 really greatness of 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 what he's doing this year and his athletic abilities and and the performance he's giving I mean he's really in his prime and doing so well and they're like no I'm like okay you know no we can't celebrate the good fortune of others no we can't just see you know so okay aversion is so small it's so tight it's so contracted and it's such a a a sad place to be there's some camaraderie in that place of hate but that's not a place you want to stay because it's it's born of aversion it's born of 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 one of the defilements and i don't want to have a life that's based in the defilements which are greed hatred and delusion I'm there enough as it is. I don't want to cultivate it. I want to cultivate a place that takes me away from that, away from suffering. Yeah, when we are free from samsara, it's because we've let go of all these fetters, all those things that get in our way. Um, so we celebrate others. We celebrate that humanity. And then there's another There's another thing I found that I thought was really interesting, and this is a... Uh, Richard Gere, who's uh, been a student of the Dalai Lamas for, I think, 40 years, and he was talking about um, the best way to navigate the world we live in, samsara, is through a sense of universal responsibility, that there's no one outside of our concern. There's no thing outside of our concern. To the extent that we are able to develop ourselves, we are responsible for the whole universe constantly. We have a care. It doesn't mean we have to fix everyone. It means that we care, and that's coming from that place of love. Um, and there's another uh, uh, a thing I read. It was, um, it was an article about uh, a person who, whose dog died. My dog, my heart, and this was in Lion's Roar as well. Lion's Roar, the Buddhist magazine. And he quoted the psychiatrist Eric Fromm who says, responsibility is one of the key elements of love. You know, we're responsible. When we love, we, the caring is responsibility. You don't get over your dog's death. You just learn to love more.
You know, there's a choice to shut down or there's a choice to stay open to love. That's the, that's the, the song, I Am a Rock, by Simon and Garfunkel. He got hurt in love, so he, you know, he wanted to be an island where love would never get in because he would never be, didn't want to be hurt again. And that's impossible. That's impossible. So we have to be willing to be open, to be responsible, to be caring, to come from this place of, of um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, again, as I said, it's something that uh, has been coming up for me so much lately that I really want to investigate what that would look like in my life to, to, to have it be, oh, I forgot, I love you. You know, have that to be my go-to when I'm in that place in my head of, oh, and, and include me in that too. Oh, I forgot, I love me too. Because we can go to that that critical voice so quickly. And I want to close with something from Gil Fransdahl, who's, um, many of you know, teaches up in Northern California. He said, to be free only when things are pleasant is not real liberation. Similarly, to love only, excuse me, only in optimal conditions is not real love. Not a few Buddhist meditators have experienced great love while in meditation, only to have it disappear quickly outside of meditation. It can be easy to love all beings in the abstract, but it can be a great challenge to do so when we have to live with them. It is one thing to love and another to express that love in daily life. One of the most rewarding spiritual practices is to cultivate the ability to bring love into all aspects of our life and all people we encounter. This entails learning how to include love's presence while we speak to others, are in conflict with others, and are living with others. It can be, in, it can be a daunting task, task, but it begins with the intention to do so. And if you look at wise intention, the second factor of the Eightfold Path, it includes renunciation, letting go of that which causes suffering, but living with goodwill, friendliness, and compassion towards everyone. So it's stated in so many places in the, in the, in the texts, you know, living with goodwill, imbued with kindness, compassion towards all beings. So this is, this is what the Buddha offered us, this grounding in love, letting go of anything that gets in the way, anything that gets in the way. You know, I was uh, Friday, I think it was Friday, I, a friend of mine had um, oral surgery, and, and I took her home because she had been knocked out so she couldn't drive, and I'd never been to her house, and I dropped her off, and I was, I was leaving, I was driving up the block, and there was a, one of her neighbors had a big old flagpole, and at the top of the flagpole was this giant flag, and it said, Trump 2024, the sequel. And immediately, you know, the contractions and the this began, and I'm like, I don't want to go there. We may, I might be in disagreement, but how can, I don't have, I don't know who that person is. I'm not going to come into relationship with them. But how can I, how can I come into that right now? So fraught, 
for me that I yell fuck you at the TV very often, how can I come into that relationship from a place of love? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. But that's some investigation that I think is incredibly necessary if I'm going to claim to come from a place of love without saying, except for you. It can't be everyone except you because that's too easy to, that's a slippery slope that if I, if I discount myself, then I have to allow everybody else their exception, exceptions as well. And, I ha- and there can't be any exceptions to this. Absolutely not. There can't be any exceptions. So thank you, thank you, thank you, my friends, for your kind attention. And I hope this has been of some benefit. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.